This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified Profiting From Your Passions coach, Kate Fessler. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler. Today, my guest is a woman who's overcome a great deal on her road to success. Rokshana Treem is a former refugee and immigrant from Mozambique. She came to the United States in the 1990s. Rokshana overcame sex abuse and became an advocate for parents and childcare providers to support them on their healing journey. She's now a CEO of her women's coaching business called A Women's Lifestyle Coaching, where she helps women overcome their rough past and create their desired beautiful life through nature retreats and different online coaching programs and communities. Rokshana holds a bachelor's degree of science in human development and worked as an early childhood teacher, trainer, mentor, parent advocate, and now a lifestyle coach. When she's not working, she's spending time with her family of three kids and her husband and volunteering, taking women on outdoor adventures, walking, hiking, and backpacking. Welcome, Rokshana. Thank you so much, Kate, for having me. I'm honored to be on the show today. Refugees are very much in the news today, with the caravan in Tijuana with people waiting to make their case to be admitted to the United States. You are a former refugee from Mozambique. First, tell me about Mozambique and what were the circumstances that led you to flee that country? Was it just you or your whole family? It was my whole family, and we migrated in the early 80s due to the war. The country was at war, and we migrated for safety to the neighboring country. So it was a family at that time, a family of five. So for those whose geography may not be all that good, what was the neighboring country? The neighboring country is um, Malawi and Zambia and um, Zimbabwe. And uh, Mozambique seats are, uh, is actually on the coastline of the Indian Ocean. So what was life like for you as a refugee? Life for me as a refugee, because I am the oldest of five children, it was waiting for foods in line, not knowing if I was going to make it to the beginning of the line. And if I did make it to the beginning of the line to get food, it would be the survival mode where I would take the food to go to the tent site where we'd stayed to cook for the family. And then Food was very scarce. There was no food. So survival was very, um, it it was hard. So memories of living in the refugee were not pleasant. They were just um, very, when I look at that little girl living that life, it's a very sad life that I lived through, especially being the oldest and taking care of the family. How old were you? Um, when we arrived in the refugee camp, I was five years um, old, and I was, yes. You were five years old, and there were five of you? So essentially one for every year? 
Yeah, so I was when we lived when, when we left Mozambique, I was five years old and we arrived in Malawi. And I was um, we lived in Malawi for five years in the refugee camp. Mm. And then after five years in, in Malawi, we moved to another refugee camp, which is the next neighboring country called Zambia. And then we were there as well for five years. Wow. So pretty much your whole childhood was spent in a refugee camp. Yes, it was. How did you eventually come to the United States? We had applied for asylum and uh, my family applied for asylum to go to England and to go to Australia. And United States was the only one at that time, early in the 90s, that took us as an asylum. So we managed to come to United States. Mm, that's a little ironic, given what's happening today. Yes. <laughs> that the United yes. States was the one that opened their arms to you. Absolutely. I think it was probably a different experience, obviously, in the 1990s than it is today. But what was it like going through that system to become a legal immigrant? Um, it was different. It was, I mean, it was different compared to how things are nowadays. I mean, you know, you had to wait for five years for you to have your green card. And then after your green card, you know, you can... Um, apply for the citizenship but coming to united states again it was a very different it was it was like a dream come true you know and everything we had choices and options and i'm going to tell you this uh one of the things that when we arrived to united states it was on the fourth of july weekend and we didn't have um, a person uh, to come and pick us up at the airport, but this wonderful family put us in a hotel, and we didn't know it was a holiday. And then about ten thirty, the fireworks started going off, and we thought it was bombs. Oh and the no! Whole family just went under the bed. The next day, I mean, out of trauma, the whole family kind of came together and hugged each other, thinking that the country is at war. And the next day, the neighbor, you know, next door neighbor in the hotel said that, oh, did you enjoy the fireworks? We didn't know it was fireworks. We thought it was bombs. And just curiously, we're learning through that. You know, I I think actually every Fourth of July, when I see the fireworks, and and then we have a celebration here in Seattle, and maybe you have one where you live, where the Blue Angels fly overhead, and we have this sort of demonstration of this, you know, military air show, and I always thank God that it is just for entertainment. Yes, yes. I yes, can't especially... imagine what that would be like for you. Yes, it it is. It is. Yeah, it's I'm very grateful where I am today. I'm very grateful for the life that I have in the United States and the choices and the options. Yes. Now, did you all speak English when you arrived here? No, we did not speak any English at all. And um, I was in high school. I was in ESL. So English is the second language. And we all learned how to speak English, English here. You definitely speak it like a native. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Lots of practice and lots of learning and always trying to learn the best way. <laughs> you are in Portland, is that right? Did you go directly there when you came to this country? No, we had arrived in um we had arrived in in San Diego. That's where um when we had applied for asylum, we had arrived in San Diego. So we lived in San Diego and then my family couldn't get a job there. So they moved to Portland. So uh, because at that time in San Diego was not very diverse as it is 
at this moment. So they came to Portland and that's how they got a job and expanded their life and to create a better life. So at that time I had gotten married and I had kids. So I stayed in San Diego and not until I got a divorce, then I moved to Portland. Mm. Tell me about the abuse. Was that in the camps? Yes, that was in the camp. Actually, it was sex sex abuse by the family member that sexually abused from the age of five till the age of 15. So it wasn't until I was, you know, I came to United States and I was learning about the culture and, you know, the behaviors and what is a norm. That is when I realized that the sex abuse that was happening to me was not a normal. It's against the law. And, mm. and that, is, that is when I ran away from home and I went to get married so that I didn't have to tell the authorities. I didn't have to tell, I, I told my family and they didn't believe me. They thought I was making that up. And that was my escape to, from the sex abuse. Mm. Tell me about your work with parents and children as an advocate for healing. I loved what I did because I felt like I was helping them and I was listening to them. I validated what they're going through, what they're feeling, because most of the parents I was working with were from Head Start. Most of the families were from a different country. So I would understand their journey coming to United States and learning English and learning how to advocate by me giving them the tools that they need by understanding them. So that was a great experience for me to do that. And I loved it. Have you worked with other victims of sexual abuse? I have. I have. And what's what's that been like for you? That was for me was very healing because I felt that um, because nobody ever listened to me. Nobody validated what I went through. You know, they felt heard. They felt validated because I was able to be that person that they needed support. I was there to understand the stages, what they went through and reminding them that it was not their fault. And once I would tell them that was not their fault, all along, they would think that it was their fault. And for me, it was also that healing process that I was going through that stage that when I was helping them, it was making me feel good as well. And maybe help them realize like you did at a much later time that, hey, this is not normal. This is not okay, right? Yes. Yeah. And you can, you can report and, you know, you don't have to have the abuser in the family and you can report and that's against the law and you can get help by giving them the resources that they needed because they didn't know there was a resource. They didn't know there was shelters and they had homes, you know, they have uh, help protect their identity if they wanted to move away from where they were. So all the resources that I learned through my process of getting help for myself and I was able to help them as well. You have a bachelor's degree in science and human development. Did your experiences lead you to study that field? Yes, a lot too. My bachelor's degree took 10 years to finish it because I had kids and I was going to school part-time. But the human development, I love the human understanding their behaviors and understanding where I came from, you know, and trying to answer that. So it really helped a lot. I guess now I'm looking at it. It did help a lot through that human um, perspective, how they think and making sense out of everything where they came from. You now have a coaching practice called Women's Lifestyle Coaching, where you help women overcome their rough past and create their desired beautiful life. 
What types of women have you worked with and how have you helped them overcome their, as you call it, rough past? Oh, I, I, I love to help women change their stories. Like internally, subconsciously, we tell these stories. And some of the stories that I would tell myself was, I am a refugee. I can never um, have a business. I have an accent. Nobody would understand what I'm trying to say. You know, so for me to be able to help women change their story that you are, if you want to have success, if you want to have uh, change that traumatic past, that story of the abuse or that story of whatever happened to you in your past, it all starts with that inner peace by changing your story, by rewriting your story. And I give them the tools to move on from there that they don't have to own that story from their past. They can rewrite it and create the life that they want. Mm -hmm. And that's true for all of us. We all have the stories that hold us back. And you're absolutely right. You can rewrite it at any time. Yes, we, we become our authors of our own future of the mm -hmm. book that we want to write. Tell me about your volunteer work. I um, started a community about four years ago. It's called uh, Women's Pacific Northwest Women's Outdoor Group. It's, it's through Meetup. And that group has grown so much. So that group has um, helped me also transition as my kids got old and moved out of the house. So I started walking and then I started leading walks. And then from leading walks, we'll challenge it a little bit more by adding hikes and adding little stairs and challenging ourselves. So I've been doing that for the last four years. And then once in a month, we... Uh, we uh, volunteer at the women's shelter. So whatever money when they pay for that meetup group, which is $5 a year, we take that money and we make meals for the women's shelter once in a month. And we also buy sanitary, uh, you know, like pan, uh, tampons and pads for the women's shelter. So that's my biggest, I call it my baby that I love to do. It helps me bring a community of women together to give back into the community. Mm. What do you think it is about nature, about moving your body and being outside that helps women connect to their deeper selves and become more optimistic about their lives? Oh, my goodness. Nature is is forgiving and it doesn't judge. You know, nature shows us the transformation through the seasons like we're able to go through a hike we're able to see the season change the roaring river you know how the high waters change and it reminds us that's how our life is there's ups and downs and there's beautiful moments and it really reminds us to pause and see the beauty within because really when i'm in nature when i'm taking women in nature I re, I'm reminded with them, through them, that this is also another terms of our life. We're just reflecting each other through nature. So I'm guessing that you're not all plugged into your phones, listening to music on your earbuds while you're out <laughs> on your adventures. No, once we are in nature, our phones are disconnected. Most of the times our phones don't work when we're in the mountains. It's it, That's the whole purpose. And we're there for eight hours and we have these deep conversations and we are so vulnerable because when you put women together in nature, they, sh they remove this layer, this shield off and they become so vulnerable and we connect because we are not attached to any of our electronics. We become so human. So I love that piece. You're also an author of the book, Living from Strength and Faith, A Rough Hike from Refugee to Success. Just the title itself is inspiring. 
what inspired you to write the book? For who did you write it? And what do you want people to learn from it? I was inspired. I was tired of people telling me that I couldn't start a business. I should be having a full-time job and I should be doing what everybody is doing. And I wrote that book to prove to myself that my old story doesn't dictate my future. And I wrote that book to um, also giving myself permission of my past and writing a little bit about my past and all my journey through that discovery and transformation to know that I can create my future. So it was really, again, letting go my past and creating that new pathways, new future by through writing my book. And, um, you know, for this book is for anyone who has faced any challenges in life and it gives you permission to rewrite your story the way you want your life to end like or to start with and it really it inspires a lot of people to know that everything that they need is within them they have it all they have to believe and have the courage to take that first first step and i wrote that book also to connect to remind people that we are already bombarded with so much information and just to remind them to take once a week to take a walk in nature or at the park and to have that you know that balance of what's in their yard to appreciate because that's a great disconnect from where they are and connect with themselves through nature wonderful was there ever a time when you different than rewriting your story was there ever a time you tried to deny your story you tried to sort of pretend the past didn't happen I'm always facing that. I feel like I'm always denying my story. I feel that every time I take a, a I take another goal to the next level, you know, um, I, I have to look back where I came from. So, Kate, one of the things I'm working on for the future in uh, it's a it's a three to five year project is I'm building a school back home. So even just to take that project and put the action plans into it. It was scary because I had to go back to that story from where I came from. I had to relieve those moments to say, okay, it was really hard to walk, you know, 10 miles a day, one way to go to school. So, and I had to remember what I did in those moments. So I'm always finding myself going back to those moments before I'm able to take that big leap to that big goal. It must seem like lifetimes ago. Yes, it it does. And then sometimes it doesn't. It feels like, because, you know, I, I feel like we all have our inner child and we have those moments where we're so vulnerable and we kind of coil in. I feel like I coil in and I'm able to reflect and start writing those moments because they become so detailed. You're relieving those moments so, so vividly. Mm. Yeah. We're almost out of time. So I have to ask you, what is one book or resource besides your own that changed your life that you would recommend to people? I love... Uh, the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. That book gave me the tools and the steps to creating habits to where I am this successful in my life today. Awesome. So tell me about this school project. Um, what are things like there these days? 
So Mozambique has come a long way. It's better. It's no longer in war. And, you know, the country is trying to bring in more tourist people to visit. Uh, but a lot of people are, are afraid to go to Africa because of what they've heard of the past. So I go there every um, every year and I still have family there. So um, it's beautiful. It has beautiful islands. It's just a form of Hawaii untouched. They have old churches and old buildings that sits on these islands because one time the island was buried under the water because of the monsoon seasons. But it is a beautiful country, lots untouched, lots of nature. Um, it's very warm. Yeah, it's magical. Is it a more stable government now? So your school will be welcomed? Yes, it has. Um, it has a lot of um, a lot of people are coming in and building communities like building wells, like turning wells into water pumps. And so the village that I'm going to, um, I, I reached out to the government and they were they're welcoming me to bring in the crew and help and support bring in schools. So, yes, it is. Um, it is. It's it's like most um, it's not America, but it's getting there. It's going to take another 50 years for some organization skill, but it is safe to go in there with a purpose of a mission to give education. So what's next for Rokshana Trium? <laughs> I, I'm going to continue coaching, uh, helping women uh, with the, you know, the tools that they need. I'm doing more speaking, public speaking, um, traveling and um and then uh, and doing retreats and encouraging more women to take them in nature and connect with themselves. And the bigger project that I'm working on is, of course, the school. So that's a big one. Well, Rakshana Trim, I am glad you are a member of my community and of this country. We are all better for having you among us. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you so much, Kate, for having me today. It's an honor to be on your show. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's virtual office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's virtual office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. If you'd like to learn more about Rokshana and her work, you can reach her on her website, womenslifestylecoaching.com, or on Facebook at Rokshana Hafez Trim. That's R-U-K-S-H-A-N-A-H-A-F-E-Z-T-R-I-E-M. Rokshana also has a Facebook community where she gives free coaching and value and some good life sound bites called Women's Lifestyle Community. It's actually a women's lifestyle community. It's a private group, so you'll have to reach out to her and ask for a link so you can join. We all have to be reminded sometimes of what a blessing it is to have choice, to be able to define our life, not have it defined for us by our family, our community, the society we live in, or our past. We are the author of our own story, and sometimes we have to write a new chapter that may be out of congruence with what came before, but is really our true story. The path may be long and difficult, with some unpleasant plot twists along the way, but once we become aware that we are the author, we can write the rest of it however we choose. 
Rukshana's family was fortunate that they were accepted into the United States and were able to become citizens here after fleeing war in their home country and moving three times in refugee camps. She's living proof that immigrants can and do become productive citizens when given the opportunity. When I hear stories like Rukshana's, I'm reminded of how fortunate I am to have been born in a country where we do have freedom and choice in how we define our lives. The only thing that keeps us from realizing our dreams is the prisons of our own mind. How could you rewrite your story for a happier next chapter? If you have something to add to the conversation, please leave a comment on my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it on whatever platform you listen and follow the show to be notified of further episodes. And please tell your friends. What's your story? If you'd like to share it to inspire others on this podcast, please click on the link at the bottom of the show page and fill out the survey. If it seems like a good fit, I'll be in touch. Remember, you can find links to previous podcasts and the recommendations of my guests on my website, firstclasslifesolutions.com. I've got lots of interesting and inspiring guests coming up in the weeks ahead. I hope you'll join me. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN Podcast hosts at EWNPodcastNetwork.com.